about a couple of weeks ago, I was speaking to uh, someone, and um, he said to me, oh, I only go to church at Easter and Christmas um, most years. Um, So you Christians, does it mean that if I want to be a Christian, I've got to go to both of those services and believe what happens there? I said, "Uh, that's a start, but it won't make you a Christian. When we think about Christmas, as we've been singing these carols this morning, we naturally think of Matthew's account. And we heard Matthew's account of the virgin birth and the visit of the Magi. We, we think of Luke's account. And we heard of Gabriel's visit to Mary, of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. We think of the decree going out uh, into all the Roman world from Caesar Augustus. We think of... Joseph and Mary going up from Nazareth to Bethlehem. We think of the shepherds in the field and the heavenly host. We've been singing about those things. Announcing peace on earth to those of goodwill. We think of the shepherds finding the baby in the manger. So, is this what Christmas is all about? Yes, it is. But that's not all. There's more, you see. If we had to ask ourselves, where does Christmas sit on the timeline of mankind's history? So when Adam was created, and we put Christmas on that timeline, where would Christmas be approximately? Anyone want to guess? Yes? Excellent answer. I would have said that myself. Yes. So just past half. Halfway, all right? So if you think when Adam was created... If you go down the genealogies, um, it's about 4,000 years, and then Christ appeared on the scene. And now we are 2,000 years on, plus, minus, more, and who knows when Christ comes again. So in human history, we're about two-thirds through. And that's where Christ appeared. So, Jesus' birth in the stable that day was only the culmination of a long history that reached its climax in that remarkable event. As the Apostle Paul writes in the book of Galatians, he says, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So what does Paul mean when he says Jesus was born in the fullness of time? He means that all the divine preparation for the Savior's birth had been completed. On earth, what had happened? Prophecies regarding the coming Messiah had been uttered. The lessons that had been taught to God's people Israel had come out. And they'd learned some of those lessons and they hadn't learned other lessons. All the Old Testament symbolism anticipating and pointing to this Messiah who would come had gone out and had been instituted. Now there was only one thing left to do. What was that? God had to send his son. But was that all the preparation that had gone in? You see, there's a much, much bigger world. Which world have I left out? Anyone want to try here among the kids? We've talked about on earth. Now, what else has been left out? Yeah? Heaven and eternity. Before 
this moment, right? And that's what we read about in John. You see, Christmas isn't the beginning. John doesn't focus on what has to happen before the sun's appearance or what happened at the sun's appearance. He cuts straight to a different place. He goes to who is the sun who appeared. And when we start looking at who the sun is that appeared, it soon comes to the fore that there's a lot happened before the appearance of Jesus Christ. And so we read that before Jesus became baby Jesus and before he was born, he already existed. Now, you've got to kind of work through this with your human computer. It's a small computer, especially mine. And it doesn't kind of get all these things. So before Jesus was born as Jesus Christ, he was already existing as the second person of the Trinity, the Son. And that's why we have that passage that John read, uh, that um, Farangi over here read for us. Sorry, that's his Ethiopian name. The Word. In the beginning, the Word already existed. This word that's used for word is the word logos. And it's God's very, the old King James said, God's very communication. His, his very words to people. The word existed. The second person of the Trinity, the Son, he would become God's very message to the world. He wouldn't just be taking words, he would be the words of God. You get the difference? Going out into the world. And he would appear in human form as Jesus Christ. Why? So that the world would see a human being like them and listen to his words and understand. So Jesus Christ was the very word of God himself. He became God's message in human form. The word was with... The word... In the beginning was the Word. It already existed. And it says the Word was with God. So the second person of the Trinity already was with God from eternity past. Now that's where my computer falls off the table. I mean, what's eternity past? You go back into the past and you go back and you go back. There's no beginning. You just go back. When God existed. And there, when God the Father existed, God the Son existed, and God the Spirit existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. There are some people today who would say they're three different gods. No, they're three different persons. But they are one God. They are the same in essence. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are no different from each other. In essence, they are God. They've got different roles, yes. And they are different persons, yes, but they are one. It's a riddle, but it's not. So he was, the word was God. They were distinct persons, and he was a distinct person, but he was one with God, and he was God himself. And in a way, we've just got to accept this truth as, as a child would accept truth. You can't overthink it. Verse 3 says, the word was the creator of all things. 
And we already sang about that. He spoke everything into existence. He spoke and it happened. Have you tried that? I'm not saying using Alexa. Because you're using something. Have you tried speaking and creating? We can't do it. God is the creator who spoke, not just the very microorganisms, but the stars and the stellar planets and space and infinity into being. And you and I, as complex human beings, he spoke us into existence. But the text carries on, verse 4. It says, the word was life. The word was the very source of life. Listen, we're still talking about this Jesus who was pre-existing. That little baby in the manger, before he appeared in the manger, this is the one who was talking about, we're talking about, who did all these things. He created the stars. And so there he was lying in Mary's arms. But he's the creator of the universe. Uh, that, that one verse always affects me. I tear up. When she kissed her baby's face, she kissed the face of God. The word was the source of life, both physical and spiritual birth. You see, without his life, it's not possible to have life. Without God giving that life as a second person in the Trinity, there is no life. doesn't matter what it is. We come back to that in verse 13. That's not all it says. He, this word was the source of light. He wasn't just light. He was the source of light. All light. And this light is not just physical light we're speaking about, but it's that which illuminates the darkest corners of a human soul too. His light reaches into that corner. And that's not all. His word brings victory from the beginning. How do I know that? There's the verse in verse 5. It says, the light shines in the darkness. That's very powerful, right? What can darkness do against light? The light shines in the darkness. Here's the verse that I really take courage from. And the darkness can never extinguish or overcome that light. That was already stated way in the past, in eternity. God's plan of light and salvation would not be overcome by darkness. Death would think it had overcome light and Christ. But God's plan was sure to work. Death, darkness would never overcome this light. And so that's why Jesus Christ was sent to this earth. He was to bring spiritual life, but also he was to destroy the devil and all his works of darkness. That was his mission. Are you encouraged by that? As we come to another Christmas and we remember this Jesus, and I'm going to talk about this one here, Jesus we remember that he's not just a little baby who came to Bethlehem. He is God eternal, who pre-existed and then came in a, on a very specific mission in human form as Jesus Christ. And so Christ appears, verses 9 to 11 of that chapter that Don read. 
And when this light came into the world, what happened? They didn't recognize him. And they didn't receive him. After all the prophecies had gone out, after all the warnings that had come out into, the, into human history, he appears and they don't recognize him or receive him. Even his own, says that text, didn't receive him. The Jewish leaders rejected him. In actual fact, they wanted to stone him. His own people, the Jewish people, didn't receive him. The Gentile people initially didn't receive him. And there was this wide rejection of Jesus Christ. This is what Colossians tells us. Oh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4 says this. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. We're not blaming people for not understanding. They couldn't understand. Why? Because there's someone greater at work. Satan was blinding the eyes. And that rejection hasn't stopped even today. You see, the vast majority of mankind, ever since the fall, haven't and still don't and won't recognize Christ as Savior. I want to repeat that sentence. The vast majority of mankind, since the fall, now that's a few years, haven't and still don't and won't receive Christ as Savior. They resist the light and they refuse to allow his brilliant searching light to illuminate their dark souls and point out sin. You might be one of those. You still haven't bowed the knee to Jesus Christ. You still are rejecting him. Here is your reminder again today of who we are speaking about. The very light and life has appeared among us. And so did God's plan fail? When Jesus Christ appeared and no one recognized him and they rejected him, had God's planned plan failed? Any of the kids? Better give the right answer now. Thank you. There's a clue. No, it hadn't. God's plan hadn't failed. Why? Here's a little jewel for you in Acts chapter 13, verse 48. Acts 13, verse 48. Here's a little jewel. Paul turns to the Gentiles and he's, and he's saying, I'm bringing you the gospel. And so we read in verse 48, When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. Here's the jewel. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. Had God, God's plan failed? No. Everyone in that era who had been appointed to salvation, as the King James says, believed. In 2021, 22, as we go into our future here, will God's plan succeed? Yes. Because everyone who is appointed to believe will be saved. His plan doesn't, save, um, doesn't fail. His plan is working fully. When we are in heaven one day, we are going to be there amongst millions and millions and millions of saved 
once were sinners like you and me. His plan will succeed. And so God's Christmas gift to you and I is this, and I'm really going to cut through this one because I'm doing it again on Christmas morning. Christ came to give us his greatest gift of all. He came to give us rebirth as children of God. And this gift is not an automatic right of all human beings. Just because you're a human being doesn't mean you will be saved. There are some who believe that. She'll be right, bro. Just because you're human doesn't mean you'll be saved. This isn't a dull handout. This gift has to be, says the text, believed in and accepted. There are two things here. You have to believe in Christ. You have to believe that he is the only one who can save. There is no other way to God, only through God's Son, Jesus Christ. One. And you have to accept Christ as Lord over your life forever. And that sticks in the gullet of a lot of people. They can't take that. I'm my own boss. You have to believe in Christ, and you have to believe that Christ is Lord of your life. And then this new gift of new life is given to you by the Savior. You can't just believe in Christmas as a concept and a nice idea either. You have to believe in Christ and that he is your Savior. So what is Christmas all about? Here it is. The Word became flesh. He became a baby. He came from eternity past. And in the very moment that God had appointed, from eternity past, the Son, the second person of the Trinity, somehow condensed himself and made himself nothing and took on the form of a human baby and was born of a human mother through the work of the Holy Spirit. And Christ appeared. He became flesh. And he dwelt among us. He grew up. People saw him growing up. They saw him going from a little baby into walking and then 10 year old. And so he went. They saw him growing up. He dwelt among us. And the word here is he pitched his tent among us. He became one of us. And we have seen his glory. What do we mean? We see God. We see God. People saw God for themselves. In the Old Testament, if someone saw God, they died. Except when God made some exceptions. We see God and we live. You say, I can't see Jesus. Yes, you can. You give your heart to him and you will see him in here. You don't need eyes to see. You need a heart that will see. And you will see Jesus Christ. And we have seen God's one-of-a-kind Son. There will be no one else like him. My friend, if you're still waiting for something to happen, you're in great danger. He has already come. And when he reappears, it will be too late to give your heart to him. The time will be over. He's the one-of-a-kind Christ who has appeared I don't know if you're waiting for who or what, but you need to commit your life to him if you hear these words while there is still time. And who is this one that you will commit to? He is the son who is full of grace 
and truth. There's so much here. There are sermons here. He is full of grace. What is grace? It is love he gives to you and mercy he shows to you when you don't deserve it at all. In fact, you should get the opposite. He gives you grace. And he is the truth. My friend, you can stake your lives on these truths of who he is and what he has taught us. Stake your life on it. This is one truth you can trust. There's a lot around us now we can't trust. We really have to search carefully before we know what to believe. But this truth is one you can trust. He is grace and truth. And this truth that he brings to you and I will set us free, not just for this lifetime, but forever into future eternity. Do you see there's a big picture here at Christmas? Eternity past, eternity future, and it all goes around Jesus Christ. This one we celebrate. I want to quote from your kid's song. You sang some really good words, but listen to this. This is one that kind of took away my whole sermon, nearly, but didn't work. The beginning of the story is wonderful and great, but it's the ending that can save you. What were we singing about there? He's the creator, he did all these things. The beginning, it's wonderful. God, is, God in eternity past, it's wonderful, it's fantastic. I'm not denigrating or making that small at all. The beginning of the story is wonderful and great, but it's the ending that can save you. Who is Christ? Why did he come? What will your response be to Jesus Christ? That's what can save. And Christ is the only one that can do that. And that's why we celebrate, says the song. That's why we have Christmas services. That's why we put the truth in front of everyone. We celebrate what Christ has done. Thank you, God. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that it gives us the scope of your salvation. That it shows us that Scripture is not just about one event, but that one event was the culmination and the climax of a much, much, much bigger story. Your plan for mankind. And thank you that you've included us who are saved today in that plan. That we are the ones who will see our Savior with our own eyes. This amazing God who we've been learning about this morning. The one who created the stars. We will see him with our own eyes too. If only we put our faith in him. And so there's the gift being held out again to your people here. Will we accept his gift and in gladness of heart say, yes, Lord, you are my Savior. Lord, do your work here among those who are not yet saved. May they see that there is no other God, there is no other way to be saved for eternity but through Jesus Christ, the Son of God who came and lived amongst us. Amen.